Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. This week on Erotic Awakening, best bondage, feeling like wearing a collar, and cookie jars. (laughs) Nice. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. Among other perks, Patreon supporters get free Kingstarter cards as well as discounts to events like the upcoming one-of-a-kind Hearts and Colors. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dawn. How are you this fine evening? I'm I'm tired. I actually had a, a little bit of caffeine before you heading over that. here. And I don't do caffeine. No, you don't. But the is... dog woke me up after five hours of sleep, and I've been running all day. So well, I do enough caffeine for both of us. But the, you, you certainly do. But one of the other reasons I wanted to try some caffeine was because I found some Highlander Grog coffee. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so I just put a little bit in my decaf just to give it that flavor. There you go. But I needed it. I For flavor the other day after we left the play party that you and I ran Saturday night, uh, I had we? a great crew, and they got yeah. us out of here at by 1.30, which uh, for someone in my state, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours, yeah. But so we, we left here, headed home, and on the way I stopped at the Jolly Pirate Donut Place and got me a chocolate and banana donut. Uh-huh, and didn't send pictures out till the next morning. <laughs> so I didn't know that's where you had stopped. I'm so glad I'm gluten-free sometimes. I don't have to worry about all that junk food for the most part. So Why is it that you, you keep sniffing my rolls that they serve at the- I do, I do. I do sniff it. I just can't eat it. <laughs> I like the smell of it. It just goes uphill from here, folks. So today on the podcast, uh, in a little bit, we're going to be talking with Rachel Kramer Bustle. She is the editor of the Best Bondage Erotica of the Year, Volume 1, and also a author of said uh, one of the stories in that book, as well as a lot of other things. But Don, before we get there, oh, by the way, and of course, did you warn Rachel that she would be uh, mm-hmm. handling the terrible flirt questions. Maybe yes, they'll be good. I did. Maybe they'll be good this time. I haven't looked at them. On occasion, and we have, yeah, uh, We have had a couple of good ones. And as soon as these, uh, how many flirty questions do we have? I think there's a hundred. Oh, good Lord. We're only at 33 through 35. Yes. I've got another list I want to go through. Oh, good. Let's just dump the flirty questions. I'm good with go that. Right I got another list at home. So. But before we get there, Dawn, the question of the day is one I cannot answer. Okay. So hopefully you can. Oh, you can't answer it. You have not been to Butchman's. Okay. Fair. Fairly spoken. <laughs> Don, what does it feel like to wear a collar? So that's, it sounds like a really simple question. It does. And I don't know that it is a simple question. I will hope that it is not a simple question. And I'm going to let you answer it, but I want to tell my experience of putting a collar on somebody. Uh, it's not simple. Yeah. Every, I don't, I don't put collars on people just as a play thing for a night. Mm-hmm. I it is, uh, whether it's you after being together for 19 years or Bat with the four to nine years, I don't know. Depends how you count it, yeah. Um, or even uh, Boy Bell with the under a year. Putting on a collar is a significant take a breath, this is our moment to connect sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you guys feel, but I can tell you feel something. So oh, do you, feel? You, can, you can absolutely tell that we feel something. People around us can tell that we feel something. When you do your Master Hank class and you take mine off and throw it on the floor, you can tell that not only I feel something, but any collared or want-to-be-collared person in the audience feels something. You have been, <laughs> you have been a hit before by submissives in the audience because there was such a visceral reaction 
when you did that, mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, submissives, you can hit me after the class for doing such a dick move. And um, they did. <laughs> they hit you. So it's, um, it's really hard to explain because I've got a day collar, which I wear every day. It does not come off unless I'm cleaning it. And I've got my event collar, which mm-hmm. is a big, thick leather collar. And there's a slight difference. So my everyday collar, when I have to take it off for surgery and sure. stuff like that, or mammograms or whatever, mm-hmm. that's actually that's really hard to take off because I'm usually somewhere by myself and I have to take it off. Look, I, I, I get emotional just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to take it off and like leave it in a locker or leave it in a bag or leave it somewhere. And I don't want to leave it anywhere, but I have to because it's metal, right? So I can't do MRIs. I can't do all that stuff. So um, I've worn this. The date on this collar is March 3rd of 2001. Mm -hmm. So we just celebrated our 19th formal collaring. And um, I've worn it every day. So it feels like it's part of me. Okay. So don't let me forget that I want to mention that again after I talk about the event collar. Okay. Okay. So the event collar is the leather collar. And that's the one that we're talking about where when Dan puts that on me, before an event, before a presentation, but you know, during event or or whenever he puts that on me, it's not a casual thing. We step away from whatever we're doing. I hand him the collar and he looks me in the eye. I lift up my hair and he places it on my neck. And it is such a feeling of connection with him and a connection to our relationship and a validation, validation might not be mm. the right word, but but a, a validation of our relationship, of re-strengthening, a reconnection. Because re- sometimes we get on autopilot, and this is very much a moment of reconnecting that we are, yes, we're in a power exchange relationship. Yes, this is important to us. No, it's not casual. And still putting on the event collar is just very powerful. And people can feel that. People can see it. You know, I absolutely feel it. It's still, after 19 years, I still get teary when you go to take it off at the end of an event, mm. you know. But to go back to the day collar, so sometimes you and I will be running events here at the space, mm-hmm. and I'll see you put the collar on bell, and I'll see you put the collar on bat. My collar does not always get put on. Mm-hmm. And whether... I, I don't know why that is. And it used to bother me or I would speak up, mm-hmm. right? So would, what you require me to do, I would speak up if it bothered me that mine wasn't on, you know. But sometimes I feel weird coming over to you going, can I have mine on too? Because <laughs> sometimes that's what it feels like. You right. know, I want mine on too. But um, I got to a point where it's like, okay, so they don't really have day collars, mm. right? Right. I've got my day collar that I wear every day. So I don't always need my event collar on. I usually ask for that if I need some sort of um, affirmation, mm-hmm. something like that. If I, if I need something like that, or I just need to feel grounded because it's very grounding to me. It feels very much like home. It's, yeah, so I don't know how to explain that. But um, I, I think you did a great job of explaining that. Yeah. So so sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's wanted, mm-hmm. but I don't always have to have it on because the other girls have theirs on. Right. So. But I would point out that I am never opposed to you 
offering your collar yeah. to me to be put on. And that's what, you know, uh, that's what they do. They, they chase me around with their collars. And mm-hmm. and you, now, on occasion, I remember. On occasion, I'm smart and I remember. But most of the time, it's like, especially when we're at the space. I am never mm-hmm. at the space. I'm rarely at the space for purely relaxed social reasons, it's right? We're here to rare. do shit. Yeah. So I require them to chase me around with those collars. Uh, it is it is wise of them. I don't know. I require it, but it is wise of them. And there's occasion I remember, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that feels nice. I guess it uh, it does because I don't always want to chase you around. There'd be moments where I would like for you to go, "Hey, you, go get your collar. I want to see you in it." Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, it's not always needed, and maybe it's because we've been together for 19 years, and I don't always need it. Have, have you ever but, have you ever written about what it's like to wear a collar? Um, I bet I have. After 19 years, I'd have to find it. I bet you have too. Uh-oh. And that would be particularly, that's called, uh, valuable. Yeah. If you wanted to get in the best bonded erotica of the year, volume two. Ooh. But, <laughs> so Don, thank you for sharing that bit about the collar. I think it's very, um, I think that you're very eloquent in explaining something that can only be felt. It is much like if somebody said, what's it, you know, what's a, what's a Pepsi taste like? Right. And if you've, you know, you're from Mars and you've never had a Pepsi, it's a really hard thing to, it's, I mean, you mm-hmm. oh, it's sweet and it's bubbly and it kind of acidy and it's kind of, uh, no, I mean, but you have to, but, it, but when you have a collar, when you've worn a collar, being able to feel it, right. feel and, that. And um, in the Master Hank class, when you take that off of me, I know it's coming and it still makes me cry. I will say. I think the last time you decided to not have it on me, it wasn't buckled on right. me. You put it up to my neck and then took it away. And that was much easier to deal with than to have it already buckled and anchored. It's an anchor. That's mm-hmm. how I describe it in my survivor class is that it's an anchor. And sometimes we need an anchor to feel secure. And that's what that has turned into. It is almost like if I stood in front of a group of people and said, um, I don't know, something irrehensible. Uh, I can't think of anything irrehensible <laughs> at the moment that I want to say. But that, that reaction when I take the collar off oh, and the, throw it on the ground. And the whole crowd's like, <gasps> yeah. and then they look at me and they're like, oh, fuck, she's really feeling this. Yeah. you know. And then later, you know, I get hugs and I get all kinds of <laughs> stuff. Because aftercare. Because they know, yeah, they give me aftercare. <laughs> it, it, it is particularly funny, the very first, and the whole Master Hank thing is somewhat of an instinctive class mm-hmm. so the first time i did that of course you didn't even know it was coming right and oh that about killed me yeah and so much for you being part of that class after right that. i i was not very good after that <laughs> so don uh one of the things that you could be doing with that collar thing that you just said you can go yeah. back transcribe that and I turn can. it into yep. some bondage erotica and i don't know if you get published or not but <laughs> The person that we need to speak to to find out is on the podcast tonight. Rachel Kramer Bustle is the uh, editor of Best Bondage Erotica of the Year, Volume 1, as well as a contributor to said book, as well as a editor of a variety of things and author of uh, all kinds of stuff. I see the first couple of reviews on the old Goodreads is... Uh, the first one is five stars. The second one is five stars. The third one is five stars. So that's got to be a great, that's got to feel great. Rachel, thanks for being on the podcast. 
Thank you for having me. I don't know if you are anything like us. You are currently in the uh, uh, the Goodreads sitting at a solid five-star review the whole way across. If you're anything like me, you'll find the one four-and-a-half star and be like, damn, what did I do? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Or maybe you've got a definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was say maybe you got a thicker skin, skin than us. But so let me start well, off by the, asking. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the good thing is, I mean, not that I can cater to every person's you know whims, but because it's a series, hopefully, if someone is like this thing is missing from this book, then I can work it into the next one. Yeah, cool. absolutely. That's a great opportunity to say you're right. Let's do, we'll add that next time around. <laughs> And, and this particular one, this particular book and is, I'm not going to say it's all over the place, but it's certainly not boy meets girl, girl ties up boy, girl and boy live together happily ever after. And the reason I say that is that a couple of the, just the highlights of a couple of the stories. Uh, two uh, NASA officials wage an interstellar battle, uh, gender, gender bending, gender bending bounty hunter, uh, two warring neighbors discover that bondage can be a great negotiation tool. Side notes, I have a neighbor. I would like to have that conversation <laughs> with them. And a variety of other things as well. So I guess I want to start by asking, if you're going to call a book the best bondage erotica of the year, I assume that you have to read a buttload of erotica to decide, oh, this is good. This is not going to be in this volume. How much actual erotica do you read to put together one volume? To get around 20 or so stories, I'll probably read 100 to 200. I mean, I'll read as many as come in. That's usually about how many come in, sometimes more, a little more or less. Um, and it's funny because, yes, I mean, the book is called Best Bondage Erotica of the Year, Volume 1. And I am looking for stories that I consider, you know, excellent and the best. But I'm also looking for something you alluded to, which is variety. So I'm looking for different types of characters, different types of plots and settings, and also different experience levels with kink, with bondage. You know, I don't want everyone to be a beginner because, um, you know, I think more experienced players are going to bring some characters who are more experienced players are going to bring something different to it. Uh, so, so I'm looking, and I'm also looking for different types of bondage, how bondage is performed, what tools they're using, um, you know, the dynamics between the characters. So there, there's a lot. Um, and I mean, the good thing is, uh, you know, bondage can be done so many different ways and for so many different reasons that there, there's just always more types of stories people can tell. So I'm, I'm always looking for kind of the thing that surprises me or, um, or just intrigues me, or both. How do you and, and how do you find things that are surprising to you? Or let me ask you this instead: Do you find things that people write about that are like that's not hot at all to anybody? I understand it can't. Not everything's going to be hot to you, but do you have people that are writing that are like, oh well, um, I used zip ties on her neck and she was all tied up, and you're like, wow, that's just no. <laughs> do you I have mean, to get through a lot of that? I don't know if I would say it that, you know, I would, no one would find something erotic. I do also, especially with BDSM, but with other topics as well. You know, I try to take safety concerns into account as well. Obviously some of the stories are, um, you know, so over the top or set in somewhere that we could not actually live out. But um, I, I, I wouldn't have someone, 
do something unsafe that, that would be unsafe in real life um, in case someone were reading this and thinking, okay, I'm going to try that myself. Uh, you know, I, I do try very hard to cater to as wide a readership as possible, not just my own point of view, because I know that that's subjective. It's challenging because sometimes people will say, oh, make your book kinkier. And some people will say, oh, that was too far for me. Like this story, <laughs> I stopped reading after that. So you, you really can't please everyone. I just try to please as many people as possible. And, you know, it's, I think the beauty of short stories is, you know, if you didn't love one of them, it's, it's over soon and you can get to another one that, that you might love and want to reread over and over. Exactly. So, and um, I like the fact that they are short and sweet and you can jump around the book. So when you, how, how do you find these authors and do you give them a word count? Because most of these are like seven or eight pages, which is like a perfect little chunk. I do give a word count and, you know, I know that I could up that and there would be more people submitting because, some people want to write really long stories. I have to balance, you know, my total word count. I want to publish as many stories as possible without them being so short that people are like, oh, that, you know, I, I wanted more. So I, I balance that. So usually the word counts around like 2,000 to 5,000 words. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that that's a big range. So I could publish, if I have 60,000 words, I could publish 32,000 words or 12, 5,000 words. Um, so it, it usually winds up being a range. And I feel like if you're a writer, I mean, if you have a story to tell that's 10,000 words, don't try to cram it into 5,000 words to fit uh, my book or someone else's. You know, write your 10,000 word story and figure out what you can do with it. Um, but also don't, you know, cram extra in just to pad something. I, I think often with stories, I mean, as an author, you have some control, but I, I think some stories work better super short and some work better longer. So I try to, to balance that. And I, I want readers to be intrigued. And I, I don't mind if someone finishes a story and thinks, oh, I want to read more about these characters. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing for the authors. And hopefully, if that's the case, like tell the author and maybe they'll write another story or, or a novel about those characters. That would be cool. But, but see, to me, a, a book of short stories like this is kind of like the way I watch porn in that mm. I scroll past all the script <laughs> that isn't really script, <laughs> you know, and, and if the blowjob's too long, I kind of fast forward past that too. So these stories kind of like get right to the nitty gritty. And even, even the first one, I was like, oh, okay, so she's into chain. Well, I'm not really into chain. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, they got into the nitty gritty really fast. And that was I like that because I don't have a lot of time to read. So, you know, I can I can pick it up and just and just do a short story and I can create a fantasy out of that that works for me. <laughs> I love that. And I also really love when people take a chance on a story that they might not have thought that they would be into and discover something about it that speaks to them. Because I think with erotica, especially people have very strong feelings. I mean, about sex as well. They're like, well, I'm into this. So I'm going to read things about this and I'm not into this. So I'm not going to read things about that. But, you know, sometimes your, your mind and your imagination and your 
body arousal, whatever you want to call it, like they can surprise you. And mm-hmm. I've certainly read things that turn me on about uh, sex acts that I don't necessarily want to try or that don't turn me on in the abstract, but in the specific moment of what I was reading about, I was like, oh, that's hot. And I think good writers can, can pull you in to something that might not normally be like your kink. Exactly. So the other thing I was thinking as I was reading these stories is that they really are, some of these really are some jumping off points of ways of spicing up your own life, right? So, you know, like the the story with the chain, what they did with it, and I'm like, oh, wait, actually, I've done that piece before. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but look at this piece we could add, you know? So, and, and some of the other ones, it's like, oh, I didn't think of that. You know, that might be worth giving a try. So, you know, I like that. I love that. Yeah. It's like an expanded version of our Kickstarter cards, if you've ever heard of those. Those kind of give you specific topic ideas. These actually give you some uh, some color around the topics. So I like that. And I think people can really, you know, yes, there's words on the page that are describing a specific thing happening with specific characters, but I think it's very easy to insert yourself into mm-hmm. the story in some way. And sometimes I think it can surprise you. You know, you might be a submissive uh, in your regular life, but you might identify with a dominant in a story for various reasons. I mean, whether because you like the way that they think or the thinky things they're doing, or you just relate to that character. It doesn't necessarily mean your whole sexuality is changing. It just means that, you know, a story spoke to you in a certain way. And I think erotica can, can be very um, life changing for Mm -hmm. some people, not, not, you know, not every time, but it can be entertaining and lighthearted, but also it can really give you ideas that, you know, either you want to implement in your life or that just stay with you as fantasies. And I, I'm a huge fan of kind of indulging our sexual fantasies um, and just seeing where they take us because our minds can really generate just so many ideas, you well, know? Yeah. Well, I know people whose lives have lives have changed because of erotica. I mean, Dan and I will flat out tell people, you know, we got together because of porn. You know, we were collecting the same porn and <laughs> had a conversation and started showing each other pictures. And we're like, oh, we have the same ideas of what we like. And, you know, people, even things like Fifty Shades of Grey, people will see that and go, oh, wait, this is a real thing. And then find communities. So erotica is definitely a, a, a vessel, a, a, a something that helps people actually live this out and, and change. Do you find and I think do- it can also be a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know quite how to say, I'm curious about this, you can say, oh, hey, let's read this together or separately or you know, it can be a, a way to ease into it because someone else has written it down and then you can each react to it how you, you know, however you do. But it can maybe feel less intense to, to, than saying, oh, let's try this versus let's read about this and, you know, discuss it. Mm-hmm. And that's great advice. Um, one of the things that we're often asked is how do I get how do I find out if my partner wants to do something like this or how do I get them started? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all the, uh, you know, people speak poorly about either erotica or 50 shades or whatever things going around at the moment. Um, it is a conversation starter. Like you said, it is an opportunity for somebody to take a look and say, well, Hey, let's sit down and watch this movie. And if they go, if they stop in the middle of it to go, 
you know, throw up, you'll know, oh, may not be <laughs> it into may it. may not be their thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it important, um, and I'll, I'll give you a little background to the actual question. I was interviewed by someone who was writing uh, bondage erotica, and they were asking me about technique and this kind of thing. And somewhere in that in that conversation, they revealed that they w- weren't, they didn't actually do any of this stuff. They just liked writing about it. Do you find a difference in people that, or can you even see a difference in people that submit work to you that says, this is somebody who's sharing some reflection of things that they've done versus this is somebody who's live, just fantasizing about it? Um, it's a hard question because I don't know all the authors personally, so I, I don't know um, what they have done personally. I don't think to, to write good bondage erotica you necessarily have had to do it, but I do think you have had to research it to some degree, whether that's watching porn or watching it in real life or, you know, testing things out on yourself. Um, and I think you also have to have, this is probably going for any type of erotica, you have to have uh, empathy and be able to put yourself in the mindset of someone else who's doing these acts. And I think even more than the, I mean, there's certainly physical things that, you know, you're going to have to describe with bondage, but I think also that mental um, component of why people are wanting to do it and what they're getting out of it and how it's uh, arousing them and why, why it is that I think, I don't think you have to have done it, but I think you have to have an understanding of why people do it because otherwise it won't resonate with readers. Absolutely. And it'll feel um, phony. I totally, I totally agree with that. Yep. Well, apparently Dawn's enjoying the book, so maybe our other listeners will enjoy the book. Where can they find it at? They can find it online at any online retailers. You can ask for it at your local bookstore or your library. And, you know, I know not everyone wants to go to their bookstore or library and say, hey, do you have this bondage erotica? <laughs> uh, but you can. They will order it for you, many of them. Um, uh, and it is available as an ebook and a print book and soon to be an audiobook. Oh, very cool. So, awesome. <laughs> I got stuck on audiobooks. I know. So, wow, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Rachel, thank you very much for telling us about the book, and I hope that it does very well for you. Unfortunately, the cost of being on the podcast is uh, you've agreed to listen to or actually answer a really crappy, flirty question. I will do my best. All right. One, two, or three. Two. The flirty question. <laughs> so you're at the club or wherever people go to flirt nowadays, or maybe you're at a book signing and you're signing your book and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what turns you off? Hmm. Your stunned <laughs> silence <laughs> tells me that. I'm this like, is, is there more? Is there more? <laughs> I, yeah, that's uh, it. That's, just, that's, that's, that's it. That the flirty question is their, they are recommending. Their line. Um, yes, that's their line. I... Oh, wow. I'm, I'm already stumped. I'm like, can I pick a <laughs> yeah. no, Well, I guess that's really the, the point of it. I mean, would you consider that a good flirt question? What turns you off? I feel like it's kind of starting with a negative. Right. Like, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's things that turn, there are things that turn me off, but I feel like I would, I would be kind of, uh, I would not be that impressed with that question if that was their opening 
thing to say. I think at the very least, if you're going to ask that question, you have to give an example of what turns you off so that, you know, you're, you're telling the person something about you. So that's true. So, yeah, I would want that later in the conversation, though. I don't know that I want to start the conversation with something negative, like you said. Yeah, I, so. I, still, I still don't love it as an opening line, but I think, I think it just sounds odd. Like, because, <laughs> I don't know, you, you probably have, I don't know, I, I was going to say you probably have more things that turn you off than turn you on, but maybe you don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're just being very nice. It was a terrible question. And it's okay to, <laughs> it is a terrible question. We understand that. Uh, and that's, that's just what they are, but no, you know what? And, and this just, I totally agree, right? You don't want to start off with anything negative. That's not a flirty sort of thing. And you know what? Actually, I've been getting notices recently of a Reddit group and pickup lines. I should write some of those down because some of them are just <laughs> as bad as this. Though some of them are very creative, but, uh, okay, Dan, one or three, three, three. So this is the flirting question, right? Okay. okay. Describe your ideal relationship. Um, so this is a variation of other questions that we've already done, but I, I wouldn't say this is neg- necessarily a negative one. It's, it's, it's fairly flirty in that you're asking somebody what they dig in a relationship. So I'm not too, I don't, this one's not too bad. Ideal relationship for me is um, somebody who is going to dig experiencing things. That's all I require. Really? I mean, that's, that's it, right? Do mm-hmm. you dig, do you dig experiences? Do you want to eat the orange as we say, right? <laughs> Cause I don't need a relationship. I don't need somebody to raise kids with. I don't need somebody to buy a house with. I don't need somebody to have sex with. I don't need it. I don't need anything. Right. So if somebody new comes along and you know, they like, look, here's my fucking calendar. Uh huh. Um, you know what the ideal relationship is for me? Somebody that digs naps. <laughs> wants to fucking come over and nap with me. That's what. That's where I'm going with that one. I'm caffeinated on a Highlander Grog right now, so not nap <laughs> no time. No nap. Okay. So okay. So and then I guess I get number one. Hey Dawn. Yes. Did you save this seat for me? Absolutely. I actually like that one as an opening line. <laughs> there you so, know. Yeah. Okay. You're Unless it's to? a creepy person, and then it'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> my husband is I coming that's, along. <laughs> yeah, that's friendly. I feel like that at least leaves you room to sort of interpret it. Exactly. So, yeah. So out of, out of the three, I don't think that one's that bad. Okay. Cool. So we'll have, we'll have three more next week, <laughs> or we are going to start <laughs> with a different Yeah, list. I think we, we maybe go through. Maybe we'll do a, an episode of just ripping through the last 50 questions. Okay. And then getting rid of this this list, the okay. flirty list. Awesome. And actually finding some good. And that's got to be our topic next soon. We actually do teach a class on flirting. We, we actually have some good ones. We You've actually started a relationship after that class on flirting or two. I think two people. One on talking dirty, and then we never did talking dirty the entire time the relationship lasted. So there you go. Oh yeah, that was talking dirty. Okay, cool. So let's let's wrap it up. We are we are. Let's do it. Cool. So um, tentacles and food on boobs. We've actually been getting a lot of tentacles lately. So um, 
uh, Ra- Rachel, if, if, if you're not aware, I, I have this thing about tentacle sex. So people mm-hmm. send me tentacles all the time. So it's awesome. So uh, we call her Big D Dawn because she's a member here at the space. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm Little D Dawn. So <laughs> Big D Dawn sent me um, oct- an octopus that changes colors while dreaming. So though it's not about tentacle sex, it was a real octopus. That was really interesting. So this octopus was asleep and was literally changing colors. So that was kind of neat. And then we had, yeah. And then we had Vanessa who has sent me a couple of things. And uh, one of those was a turquoise cookie jar with uh, tentacles wrapped around it. So that was kind of pretty cool. And then a fluorite pendant. It was an orange fluorite pendant and um, in the shape of an octopus. So though it's not tentacle sex, it is octopus. So it works. But Dan, you didn't get any food on boobs. Uh. I'm on a diet anyway. <laughs> that is true. So, so cool. So you can also find us on um, Instagram, and uh, you can see the picture of the day, though it's more like the picture of the week. Yeah, it's and, the picture uh, of the week anymore. <laughs> we're listed under erotic awakening. So I actually posted something recently, but my phone's over there. I don't remember what it was. You'll probably be seeing pictures of the hearts and collars uh, that's coming up next week. Oh, that's week. true. Oh, the- next week, uh, this Saturday. So there will probably be pictures of the fundraiser Friday night, which is in four days. Yep. And then uh, hearts and collars. So March 13th and March 14th. Wow. So for the fundraiser. And the, what are we doing sitting here podcasting? we got a lot of shit to do. we got to get ready. Hey, i got Big D out on the other side of that door. So yep. I'm, I'm ready to. Go jump his bones. <laughs> um, new subscribers to the newsletters include Mike from Oregon. Uh, Thomas from local Columbus. And Anna from Ontario. Oh, we had our friends down from Ontario for um, the play party We did Saturday meet Viking night. James and uh, Little S mm-hmm. uh, came and visited us, hung out at the house for overnight. Not that we got to see them that much because no, we were in the party. The party. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great party. Great to see them. That was kind of awesome to have people Come down from Canada just to hit a play party. So, great. Um, Get your EA shout-out. Head over to eroticawakening.com, and you'll find a link to the EA newsletter, which I get out about once a quarter. Take a moment to support the podcast. Read us on Apple Podcasts, Cap Google, Google Play, Splitcher, Spotify, and Split, 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 Play, Play, Play. You know, I'm not going to edit that either. I know. Or just tell your kinky friends. So if you like what we're doing, head over to patreon.com slash erotic awakening to take a look at options like discounted stuff, extra content, and more. And it only takes a dollar to be a dollar a month to become a Patreon supporter. So just keep that in mind. If all of our people that downloaded stuff did a dollar a month, we'd have some kick ass equipment. I would do one more episode and say see ya no no we love doing this too much good lord we hit our you know we hit our 11th anniversary last month and didn't do anything for it the podcast 11th anniversary i I think that's though because we hit episode 500 at about the same time at about the same time yeah that was kind of cool so awesome bye dan congratulations thank you uh, rachel i'm fully expecting a some erotica that stars dan and dawn Oh, fanfic. Okay, I will I will see what I can do. <laughs> fanfic would be awesome. We had somebody promise that once and and yeah, so awesome. Bye Dan. Bye Don. Bye Rachel. Bye Rachel. Bye. Bye.